Hello, and welcome to the Bible Initiative Podcast. We're really excited that you're joining with us over the course of the year in reading through the large story of the Bible from beginning to end. One of the things we want to do as the year goes on is find ways to provide you with additional information about certain portions of the Bible or certain questions that Scripture might raise for us, and these podcasts are going to be the means by which we do that. Here at the very beginning of the Bible initiative, the very beginning of the Bible, we think it's important to provide some general information about the Bible as an entire book, that it's one story from beginning to end and how that fits together in the various pieces of the story of the Bible. And so we're going to do that today with a podcast that we're calling Explaining the Bible. The information for this podcast comes from a resource put together by Mitch Marr. It's called Clarifying the Bible. You can check it out by going to www.clarifyingthebible.com. It's a a book and a DVD that's really helpful. It gives a lot of information about the Bible as one entire book. Now, one of the most important things about the Bible when we talk about Scripture is that it is inerrant. It's inspired. It's authoritative. And, And those words are words you hear people use, but we think it's really important to define them. So when we talk about the Bible being inspired, what we're talking about is the fact that The authors of the Bible wrote exactly what God wanted to be said, and they did that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When we say that the Bible is inerrant, it means that when all the facts are known, when all of science and history plays itself out, that the scriptures in their original writing, when they're properly interpreted, will be shown to be wholly and entirely true, that everything contained within the Bible is truthful and factual. And then last, when we say that the word of God is authoritative, it means that all the words in Scripture are God's words, and that to disbelieve anything that the Bible says would be to disbelieve the very word of God himself. And so the Bible is a product of the Holy Spirit working through uh, human writers to inspire them to produce an inerrant and authoritative group of writings for our lives. And we should commit ourselves to understanding and, and seeking and pursuing and knowing that book, the Bible, entirely to the best of our ability. The Bible as a unit is one book that consists of 66 individual books. And there's great unity among those 66 books, despite an amazing diversity. The Bible was written over the course of 1,500 years. It was written by over 40 different authors who were uh, from various walks of life. It was written in three different languages. It's written in Hebrew, the Old Testament. The New Testament is written in Greek, and there are portions that are actually written in Aramaic. The Bible was written on three different continents. It was written in different moods and in different locations. And amid all of that diversity, one of the things that's beautiful and amazing about the Bible is that it demonstrates an incredible unity that leads to the conclusion that behind multiple authors, the Bible is one book with one author, the Lord, and that each of those individual authors were inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Bible's 66 books are divided into two testaments. The Old Testament has 39 books. The New Testament has 27 books. In today's podcast, we're going to primarily deal with the Old Testament, the 39 books that make up all of God's story before the birth of Jesus Christ. Later in the year, we'll deal uh, in a more specific way with the 27 books of the New Testament. The big picture of the Bible's story can be understood in terms of five Christ-centered divisions. And if you're on our Bible Initiative website, or if you were with us uh, recently on a Sunday morning, we talked about these five different divisions 
uh, but I want to talk about them again here just to make sure that everybody catches them and has a way to orient themselves in Scripture. The Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi, uh, can be thought of as an anticipation of Christ. When you read through the Old Testament, it's as if the Scripture, it's as if God is continually telling us that someone is coming. Specifically, someone is coming that's going to take care of the problem of sin. That is the primary uh, problem within the Bible, that God created, then sin entered the world, and ever since that moment, humanity is separated from God. And someone is coming to make that right. That's what the Old Testament tells us. There's an anticipation of a Savior, of a Messiah. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a manifestation of Christ, of the Savior. If the Old Testament was saying someone's coming, someone's coming, then the Gospels tell us that someone is here. He has arrived, and it is the person of Jesus Christ who has come to save humanity from sin, to make right what went wrong in the Garden of Eden. The book of Acts is a proclamation of the Savior. It's uh, the disciples taking the message of Jesus out into the known world, beginning the work of the Great Commission to go uh, and tell everyone about the work of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. They begin that work in the book of Acts. It's a proclamation of the Savior. Romans through Jude, those are the epistles in the New Testament. Those are an explanation of the Savior. What does it mean to live in light of the fact that a Savior has come? The Old Testament told us he was coming. The Gospels showed us who he was. Acts is the proclamation of that, and the epistles are an explanation of what it looks like to live in light of his life. And then finally, the book of Revelation is a consummation, that he is going to finish, the Savior is going to finish uh, what was started all the way back in Genesis. He's going to put a final ending to everything, and there's a picture of what eternity is going to eventually look like. So five Christ-centered divisions within the overall story of the Bible, the Old Testament, anticipation, the Gospels, manifestation, the book of Acts, proclamation, the books uh, of Romans to Jude, the epistles are an explanation, and then finally, Revelation gives us the consummation. Five uh, big acts within the story of Scripture, if you will. And when you open your Bible at any given point and you see where you're reading, you can always orient yourself in the story by remembering those five things. Within the 39 books of the Old Testament, there are three major divisions. Now, the Old Testament, remember, are all the books written before the birth of Christ, and you can think about them in three large pieces. 17 of the books are historical. They tell the story of the Israelite people, God's chosen people. Five books are poetic or wisdom literature. We'll talk about those in just a second. And then 17 books are prophetic. They're the books of the prophets who are foretelling of the coming Savior. They're also giving warnings to the nation of Israel. We'll talk more in depth about those 17 prophetic books a little later in the year. We want our information, our supplemental information, to fall at the right time. And uh, in a few months, we're going to talk about the prophets specifically. And so we'll do a podcast dedicated specifically to them at that time. So today, I just want to talk about those 17 historical books and the five poetic books. The 17 historical books are the ones we're going to be in primarily throughout the Bible initiative. Um, they, They run from Genesis all the way through Esther. 
And within those historical books, you can think of those even in two sub-pieces, if you will. Five of them are what are called the Pentateuch, or the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You can almost think of them as uh, the introduction or the foundation of the Bible. They provide us with the beginning of the story of who God is, who humanity is. They tell a particular history of one group of people, the Israelite people, God's chosen people. They give us the law. How were the Israelites supposed to live in relationship to the Lord? Uh, And they culminate with the Israelite people uh, getting ready to go into their promised land, the land of Canaan. And once they're into the promised land, then there are 12 more historical books that run from Joshua to Esther. All of those, from Genesis to Esther, tell the story of the Old Testament. They give the story of the Israelite people being called by God, being led by the Lord to the promised land, uh, all of the struggles and sin and brokenness that uh, you think of when you think of the Old Testament. Typically, you're thinking of stories that happen within the historical books, the narrative of the Old Testament. As I said, throughout the Bible Initiative, that's primarily where we're going to spend our Old Testament time. Uh, The next five books in your Bible are the poetic books or the wisdom literature. That's Job, uh, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Um, Those books have each a particular focus. The book of Job is wisdom in the midst of suffering. The book of Psalms is all about wisdom and, and worship. The book of Proverbs is all about wisdom for life. Ecclesiastes is all about meaning. And Song of Solomon is all about marriage and marital romance. You're in the book of Psalms this week. And specifically, you're reading in Psalm 119, which is all about a love for the Word of God and a love for the Lord. Um, We're not going to spend a lot of time throughout the Bible initiative in those poetic books, in the wisdom literature, we are going to read the entire book of Job. Um, or we are going to read portions from the book of Job, excuse me, which is all about suffering. We're going to include Psalms throughout, but you won't see any readings throughout the Bible initiative from Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, or Song of Solomon. That's not because we don't think they're important. Uh, it's because they, didn't fit, they don't fit within the narrative of the Old Testament. Um, but they're incredible books. We encourage you to check them out and to see what kind of wisdom is available for you there. I want to jump back to the narrative of the Old Testament, those historic books. Um, inside your Bible initiative booklet, you'll see as we go through that there are there's a chart that we refer to commonly. It's a chart of eras that you could break the story of the Old Testament into these nine eras. Those eras come from Max Anders' book called Understanding the Bible, 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. Um, he breaks the Old Testament into nine eras that we think are incredibly helpful and instructive. And so I just want to help you understand the chart you're going to see throughout your book. It's also on every week's page at the bottom, uh, on the just to the right of the context paragraphs. There's some words down there. Some are highlighted, but it's all toward orienting you in the story. And so nine large eras. The first is the era of creation. That's from Genesis 1 to Genesis 11. Then is the age that era of the patriarchs from Genesis 12 through the end of Genesis, Genesis 50. Then there's the Exodus, and that actually contains all of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The next era of the Old Testament is the conquest. That's where the Israelites go into the promised land and 
conquer it from its current inhabitants. That's the book of Joshua. There's an era of judges, which is the darkest period of Israel's history. Um, That's all the book of Judges, which is full of brokenness and sin and is almost hard to read at times. Then there's the uh, era of the kingdoms. There's a united kingdom where Israel is all together under the reign of David and Solomon uh, and Saul. And then the kingdom splits and there's a divided kingdom. Uh, You can read all about those in 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Then there's the era of the exile. And that's where God's people are sent from their promised land. It's a judgment upon them for their sin. Um, that happens in in Second Kings. And all the prophets, for the most part, fit inside these kingdom and exile eras. There's an era of the return. That's the eighth era. Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther are all about the Israelite people's return into the promised land. And then the final Old Testament period is the silence period, which is a 400-year period from the end of the Old Testament, Malachi, to the birth of Jesus uh, in the Gospels. And so those are the nine eras of the Old Testament. They break down into some little sub-pieces, and you'll see that in your booklet. Uh, We encourage you to, every week, go ahead and take a look at where you are. That'll give you a general sense of where you fit into the large story of the Old Testament. We tried to keep those included. Every once in a while, we'll do a graphic in the booklet that shows you where you are in the big picture in relation to all of the eras. But but know and keep in mind, nine eras in the Old Testament, and those eras help us understand and know where we are in the big story of the Old Testament. Just a, a couple of things we want to remind you of and just point out. The Bible's one book. It's got 66 individual books inside, but from beginning to end, the Bible is one book. It's one story, the story of God's redemptive work among humanity, the story of Jesus Christ coming to save us from our sin. It's authoritative. It's inspired. It's inerrant, which means that when everything is rightly interpreted and fully understood, it's going to prove to be true. It is true in all that it says. Um, those are very important things to keep in mind as we jump into reading scripture. Remember, you can keep up with the Bible Initiative plan. You can keep up with all of the information and additional resources on our website, which is www.thebibleinitiative.com.